his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Good morning. Hope you had a great weekend. This is, joining me now, Attorney General Alan Wilson, State of South Carolina, fresh from his, I guess you could call it a victory, putting Alec Murdoch in prison for the rest of of his life. I think congratulations are in order, Attorney General. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tara. It's great to be with you. Absolutely. Um, what a trial. The whole, I think, world was glued to it. No, absolutely. I mean, it's like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. I, I want to start here. You you did something I don't, well, you guys, I don't think would have been your, your office possible 15 years ago. You got this conviction with no DNA evidence, right? That's the gold standard now. You got to have the DNA evidence because everybody watches TV. There's always the hair, right? And that convicts them. You didn't have that. But what you did do um, is use technology that, in a way that we have never seen used, at least in a case of this caliber before. Um, you literally had, had, had really almost Paul Murdoch's voice from beyond the grave. Um, because of the video he had recorded, you hear Alex's voice in the background. That that did him in, but also the use of the OnStar data. I had no idea my car could convict me, and I bet you Alec Murdoch didn't either. That there was that kind of detail in the car. How, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to use that data? That's really new. No, absolutely, Tara. Well, first off, it was a completely circumstantial case. Yeah. Um, you know, but a lot of people think somehow circumstantial evidence isn't as powerful as direct evidence, but that's entirely untrue, as we just proved last week. But like you said, let's go back to the car. Um, we didn't get the OnStar data until the middle of the trial. We didn't wow. even know about some of the. Yeah, well, OnStar, the company, was obviously watching the trial along with the rest of the world, and they had overheard us, you know, talking about how we were unable to get information from the 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 um from the telemetry system and so someone at onstar said well that's we we can provide that so they reached out to us and said we can get that to you so uh, we had we had attempted to get that a year over a year ago but uh, weren't weren't able to successfully get it once we got that information and just to give you an idea you know 
OnStar as well as the onboard black box or telemetry system that not only gives you your GPS, but it gives you things like when you're clicking your seatbelt, when you're doing a blinker, when you're rolling your windows up or down. I mean, it, it gets into very, you know, you know, molecular detail on how you're operating your car. And so uh, we were able to get that information, and we were able to triangulate it and obviously overlay it with the data we got from the download from uh, Maggie and Paul's phone as well as Alex's phone. We were obviously able to uh, overlay that with the, with the car details as well as the testimony of people. We did have some of Maggie's DNA on one of the guns. Um, you, know, you know, there was a trace amounts of blood. So, I mean, we were able to overlay all of that, and I think the biggest piece of evidence uh, for many people was Alec Murdoch's lies, his ongoing lies that he trapped himself in. Lying to investigators. That's right. And if you remember, during the course of this investigation and the story, you know, the murders occurred in June. Uh, Alec, um, you know, basically had three separate sled interviews, not counting the deputy from Carlton County that showed up at the scene of the crime, as well as the 9-11 call, or the 911 call, rather. Uh, the in all, in all of those circumstances, he was giving a narrative that he was not down at those kennels and he did not see anyone uh, at that time. The only witness we had was Rogan Gibson, who was the last person to have a conversation with Paul Murdoch about the dog, the infamous dog tail. And that was moments before the murders occurred. Rogan had told law enforcement that he thought he heard Alex's voice. Um, he believed it was Alex's voice. But Alex says, no, he must have been mistaken because it was at that point he said he said. Well, in April of 2022, I believe, uh, they were able to get the video out of Paul's phone some nine or ten months later. And that, that video is the video that the whole world watched that had Alec literally there three minutes before the murders occurred. Unbelievable. In a way, to me, this case revolutionizes I mean, this idea of, you know, if we start using OnStar data in your car and things like that phone, all of the tracking – in a weird way, getting away with murder is pretty close to obsolete. I mean, you just almost can't escape that tracking net between the phone and the car. No, it's very difficult to do. And, and again, it's also what you don't do. Um, you, you're looking for people's break and habits. For instance, Alec Murdoch was never without his phone, but he was conveniently without his phone during the time he was at the kill. He left at the house, but anywhere else before, um, so people testified. So, I mean, obviously, that doesn't prove mere presence isn't proof of that he committed the crime, but it's what you don't do, you know, not having your phone on you, not using. You know, it was the fact that Paul wasn't responding to Rogan Gibson at 8.49 and 35 seconds. Uh, you know, it was what people aren't doing that tells a story. You know, that's how we knew that Paul had been murdered at that time. Alan Wilson, you are the Attorney General of South Carolina, but you're also an attorney. In your opinion, did Alec Murdoch make a mistake? Taking the stand? Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who had spent his entire career, Tara, uh, standing in front of juries, probably in that very courthouse, and definitely in, in that very courthouse, standing in front of juries and winning major verdicts for his clients, making millions of dollars over decades of being an attorney. And he believed that he was capable of talking his way out of anything. He could manipulate juries. He could convince juries to believe his, his view of the case. And in my mind, when he took the stand that day, he was giving his final closing argument to this jury. And from what I understand from their interviews is that they didn't have any of it. They, did, they didn't believe him. He came off not very credible and, frankly, locked himself into his lies even more. Wow. Talking to Alan Wilson, Attorney General, South Carolina. 
Um, okay, now, have you seen the Netflix documentary on this? Because, like, the whole world uh, has. Yeah. yeah, I've seen it. Uh, obviously, I've, I've watched them. I didn't watch them during the trial. But, you know, in, in the wake of everything, I wanted to see, you know, how people were reporting on, on the saga that is the Murdoch uh, family. And so I did watch it. Because there's some, I mean, and, th- and it's been number one on Netflix for almost a month now, right? It's like the whole world's seen it. I have some questions. Um, I, I want to start with this one. Is is there going to be a corruption investigation here in South Carolina? Because, I mean, for me, it started with uh, one of our South Carolina Highway Patrolmen going on Fox News National and doing an interview in which he said, I was not allowed to investigate the murder of Stephen Smith, even though I knew it wasn't a car accident. I knew it was a murder. I was not allowed. He said that over a year ago on Fox News National. Is there a planned corruption investigation here to get to the bottom of not just, you know, what happened with these murders and what did they do, but the agencies that enabled them? Well, Tara, what I will tell you is this. Um, My office, myself personally and the people that work for me, if we if we receive this isn't specific to your question. This is specific to any allegations of corruption or any type of wrongdoing. Um, If we receive credible information. That leads us to believe that we can prove the elements of every crime uh, beyond a reasonable doubt to a jury. Then we will bring charges. That's you know that's not to say that I'm going to comment on anything because if there is a pending investigation, obviously I can't comment on sure. the existence or, or go into it. But uh, what I can tell you is is that if we are aware of it, and, and by the way, it's not what we believe; it's what we can prove. Um, and, and again, when I was looking at the Alec Murdoch case, the murder case, not just the financial crimes cases. You know, it, it, I had to get to a particular threshold in my mind that I could – you know, I believed Mur- Murdaugh had killed his wife and son before the video came out. But I didn't think that we could prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And so if I, if I think I can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, I will bring charges. Well, that leads us to the next thing. I think one of the things that, that shocked the public that watched that was all of the phone calls um, to the tip line telling – Local authorities and state authorities, when we heard them on the thing that, hey, you need to investigate Buster Murdoch for the murder of Stephen Smith. There was seven phone calls. Um, They're public record now. Um, I I wanted to ask you, because I tried to find this and I can't find it, and I know you would know. Has Buster Murdoch, the the brother of, uh, of Paul Murdoch, ever been questioned in any of these cases, Stephen Smith or otherwise? Do you know that? I tried to Google it, but there's so much out there you can't even cut through it. Has he ever been investigated in any of these cases or or questioned? And, and again, one of the things I have to be careful of is n- not to comment on the existence or non-existence of an investigation, but sure. to even give any indication of what the state has or has not done. Again, what, what I'm trying to do is, is, you know, I don't mind talking about the murders and the financial cases uh, yeah. that have already come out into the public record. But w- just to kind of restate my earlier statement, I know that you and others like you, and, and I share your concern about, you know, corruption in government and, you know, people tipping the scales of justice because of, of a privileged few. Um, I, I despise that type of behavior. Yeah. If, if, there, if, if there is credible evidence that we can pursue on anybody, I don't care what your last – including me. I mean, anyone, no one is above the law. And, uh, you know, that is what I've hoped this trial has proven. But if, you know, if if someone is alleged to have done something or we're going to pursue it, that includes interviewing them. That can, 
and that, that proves investigating them. But I just don't want to go out too far and make comments on any possible investigations that may or may not be happening. I, and I, I knew you would say that before I asked you the question. You said a minute ago, though, um, you couldn't talk about what was in the future. I get that. What about in the past? Do you know if, in, 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 you know, like, say before the Murdoch trial, has, has Buster ever been interviewed in any of these uh, cases or brought in? Y- y- yes. Um, okay. uh, as it relates to the, the, the case that we just had, of course. Okay. Um, uh, beyond that, I don't want to comment. I, and I understand completely, Attorney General. And you're doing your job to ask I am. questions. I'm doing my yeah. job by saying I can't answer them. <laughs> yeah, and I understand legally why you, you don't want to compromise the case going forward. I get that. I totally get that. But people have people see that, and this is why as Alec is being led away, people are screaming Buster is next because they've all seen this. Um, and they want to know that there's going to be justice. Um, or not, I didn't say justice, but a thorough investigation of, of kind of what's going on here in the state. Um Hang on, because I want to get into Gloria Satterfield and what's coming up and what people um, can, ex- you know, can can be, you know, expect next, um, like from your office and 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 also in this case. Hang on, we'll be right back with South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson. Good morning. Joining me now, South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson, fresh from what you can only call a victory, putting Alec Murdoch away for life, but they're not done with him yet. Um, We have the Gloria Satterfield trial coming coming up. Uh, Could you could you give us kind of a preview of that? Well, well, yes. Um, obviously, you heard a great deal of information in the murder case about a number of uh, Alec Murdoch's other victims um, that he had uh, stolen from, lied to, manipulated, cheated. Um, and these these were all of the part of the gathering storm that the, sca- that the state made the argument was coming, that he, he was going to be revealed, which is why he made that last desperate attempt to preserve his way of life. Uh, Gloria Satterfield was one of the primary people that we talked about. Obviously, her son, Tony Satterfield, took the stand uh, in, the, in the trial of Alec Murdoch for the double murder of his wife and son. Um, you know, Gloria, as many people already know, if you've watched the Netflix or HBO Max special, was had worked for the um, Murdoch family for many, many, many years. And uh, in 2018, uh, she tripped, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm doing allegedly, but tripped and fell uh, on the steps of the uh, of their home in Moselle. Um, and hit her head, and obviously um, lived for about a week, but subsequently died. Um, Alec Murdoch, as as we put into the court, into this past trial, had basically had his um, offered the uh, her sons rather the opportunity to sue his insurance carrier um, over his home, and uh, ultimately ha- uh, got a friend of his to set up as the personal representative. For the estate, got them, got someone else to be an attorney for the family, and then basically got these insurance proceeds from uh, her death. Um, basically, it was a friendly lawsuit in which he got all the money and they got nothing. That that's ultimately what happened, um, and that's what came out at trial. Um, but beyond that, you know, we're we're going to give Gloria Satterfield uh, and her family their day in court. Um, Tara, one of the things a lot of people ask me is. Why are you going to continue going after the financial crimes 
when you've already got two consecutive life sentences against Alec Murdoch? Is that the best use of state's resources? And this is what I would say to them, whether you're Gloria Satterfield or any one of the dozens of people who were cheated by Alec Murdoch, those victims deserve their day in court as well. And so the state is going to give them the opportunity to be heard in court and to have their crimes represented and have him held accountable for those crimes. And if by chance we get him you know, convicted on at least three or more, that is another life sentence. Which uh, which we could use to hedge against uh, an appeal on the murder charges. So, it's it all works together very well. But again, at the end of the day, those victims deserve their day in court as well. Are we going to learn where that four million dollars went in this trial? Because that seems to be a, a question mark. Well, a lot of people have asked us about that, and what I've basically said is that if you look, and, and I have looked. If you look at how they were living their lives, it's not that – was all that money going to opioid pills? Of course not. There's, that's too much money for that amount of opioids. But the, Alec Murdoch was living a lifestyle that was well, well beyond his means. And every time – I mean he was playing a shell game. He, he was double leveraged uh, on multiple properties. He was living a life that he could not afford for decades, and that money was basically – helping him stay one step ahead of complete financial and social ruin. Um, and the, the further he got into it, the more he stole. You know, like you said, you don't, you don't just steal $4 million and that's the first time. You know, you, you've done it before. And so I don't think there's a, a, a treasure chest buried in the back of Moselle or there, you know, there's, a, there's a trunk with a bunch of cash in it somewhere. I truly do believe that they were spending it as they went along. But at the same time, there's this weird thing that I want to ask you about very quickly where John Marvin, his brother, and Buster would just like show up at the scene of the crime almost. In this case, we watch Alec Murdoch go to, um, you know, his bond is denied, he's in jail, and they go to Vegas and start gambling. Are, are they going to be part of this trial, John Marvin and Buster? I kind of want to know where they got the money to gamble. I mean, Buster wasn't employed at the time. Well, I, it's again, a weird thing to do. But it's a great way to clean up money. Well, one of the things I, I want to be careful to do is is not to make comments or not sure, make comments. Sure, I understand completely. That, yeah, yeah. And, and you have to ask these questions. You're asking questions that probably your listeners are asking themselves, and I understand that. It's not a bad question to ask, but I just have to be careful uh, that, I, that I don't say anything that could compromise this case going, moving forward. And so I'm just going to tell people that I know there's a lot of questions. If the state has evidence that we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt someone committed a crime, you have my word. We'll go after him. And I believe you. Um, you've done a fantastic job so far, so I have no reason to doubt that you that you will not. It will be absolutely thorough. Um, I, we're just all dying to know the answer. I've got one more. <laughs> I've got one more. Sure. i got to ask you. I hope you don't mind. Um, no. we, we all watched an amateur podcaster who's covered this thing fly a drone over the Murdoch property. And we watched Buster... And John Marvin, Alec Murdoch's brother, walk out of um, two places with guns, load them into the car, and drive off. I I know there's still some questions about whether we've ever found the murder weapon. Were those guns ever pursued? Do we know what guns they took and what they did? Because we watched them load guns into the car. I mean, the world was transfixed by this. It was in the Netflix documentary. Do, do we know if any of those were the murder weapon? We could say conclusively, no, that absolutely was not. I mean, that that's just out there and people want to know. 
I, I can't say conclusively one way or the other. I have seen the show. I okay. saw a brief glimpse of that. What I, what I can say is, is that from from what was testified to in trial, what is in the public record is that that the crime scene was cleared. I think the following day, uh, as Alex's brother testified to, and then he was a lot. You know, he was the one that went down there and cleaned up mm-hmm. after it. Um, but uh, you know, when a crime scene is cleared, you know, I would presume that there is a presumption. That, that, that there is no ill motive if people are going into the home after it's been cleared by law enforcement to, you know, remove things that belong to them or belong to the family. After all, no one was living there at that time, and those are things of particular value. Um, I understand they were also loading up dogs. Um, you can't leave dogs out there not being fed or cared for. Right. So I'm, I'm not saying that to say that it was all good, and, and, and or I'm not saying talking about it because I think there's something nefarious going on. What I'm saying is is that there's a lot of plausible reasons things happen. But what I will tell you is this, back to what I said earlier, if there is credible evidence that allows the state to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone committed a crime, we will pursue it to the fullest extent of the law. If Alan Wilson, um, there's if there's anyone who has any information, right, how how can they get to you? I know you're probably overwhelmed with people (laughs) who've watched videos and documentaries and they've all got a theory and it's on the Internet. But if someone had legitimate information that they have and they're they're starting to watch these documentaries and, and think, you know what? I, I think I want to see these. You know, I want to I want to let law enforcement know what I know. What should they do? Well, I would always encourage people if you have information. Uh, and, and again, it's got to be more than conjecture, rumors or hearsay. Sure. But, if you, but if you have uh, credible information that you think would be beneficial to law enforcement on any crime, not just this one, any crime, call SLED. Call SLED and tell them that you'd like to speak to someone involved with this case and, you know, and provide them the information. Obviously, we send everyone to law enforcement. We don't receive the information. Our office is not an investigative agency. We have to rely on organizations like SLED. And that's what I would encourage them to do. Alan Wilson, uh, Attorney General of South Carolina, I just want to congratulate, congratulate you one more time on a fantastic job uh, putting Alec Murdoch away for life. And Tara, but before we go, I just wanted to – I always love giving a shout-out to the team here at the Attorney General's office, uh, an amazing group of young men and women. I was honored to work with them for six – well, really a year and a half on this case. But I also want to say something that I'm really proud of our agency for doing. Um, I know a lot of people question government, and that's a good thing. When a government is afraid of its people, that is a good, healthy place to be. But so many people have questioned whether or not Alec Murdoch or other people in society are above the law. And I hope and I pray – that this has renewed their faith. I was happy to hear so many people reach out to me in the days following this trial to say that I didn't think he'd be convicted. I didn't think he'd be held accountable, but he was. Thank you for doing that. That is the biggest compliment I could receive. And so I just want to say I hope this has renewed people's faith in the system. And a well-deserved compliment, uh, Alan Wilson. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on 106.3 WORD. Joining me now is Tony Dale with Common Sense Retirement Planning. Good morning, Tony. How are you, Tara? I'm doing great. I so said I'm out on a hike with the family, right, where they have no cell phone reception. I come back down off the mountain, <laughs> and all I see is that FDIC is trending on Twitter, which can never be good. Not at all. <laughs> um, and I went, oh, dear, oh, no. What's, what's collapsing? Um, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. What, what does this all mean this morning? What, what do you make of it? 
Well, I want to start. I'd be remiss if I didn't point this out, that you have been telling your listeners for a long time about the malfeasance, which is what it is, of, of the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department, the printing of the money. So all of this is connected. <clears throat> it, uh, yes, the bank itself certainly is culpable in their own ways for how they mishandled the money. But but you, you have to look at the bigger picture here and realize you can thank official Washington for these calamities that are happening. And there's another bank in New York uh, that just closed uh, this morning because – all of the massive economic distortions of COVID shutdown policies, all the inflation created by the money printing of the Fed. And so, you know, you've heard me say this, Tara, before. Uh, history doesn't always repeat, but it usually rhymes. Mm-hmm. So I want to put – give you a little perspective here. So if you go back to 1929 when the FDIC was created, there were 9,000 bank failures. That's why they created it, so people could have confidence in banks again. And I was around during the SNL crisis. I remember that pretty clearly. I was doing talk radio in San Antonio. There were a thousand banks failed, and again, they were bailed out. And then in 08, there were 489 banks that were went down between 08 and 2013. So what happened at that time, you recall, is that the Fed dramatically lowered interest rates, bailed out all their their buddies in the banking industry, and because of that low interest rate environment they began to set up what is now created. So so what happened to this bank, and there are many banks in the same situation, this bank had a massive inflow of all of this cash that was being printed, some of it from PPP loans. Uh, they, they, just to give you perspective, back in 2020, they had $51 billion in assets. Three years later, they had $151 billion in assets. When this thing started, so so what they did, their their problem, their mistake was they because interest rates were being dropped, they thought they'd be smart and go out and invest in long term treasuries, which were getting one and a half percent roughly at the time when interest rates were all the way down to a quarter percent. Seemed like a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Fed starts raising interest rates, starts uh, putting uh, ever more cash into the system, and they end up caught in what's called an inverted yield curve, the difference between short-term bond rates, which are higher now than the long-term bond rates. Um, But this is – I I cannot stress this enough. This is a regulatory failure of historic proportions, and they've been so busy. uh, Janet Yellen's off to Ukraine. Uh, They've been been focusing on diversity. They should be fired – and, and, I, and I'll, I'll find this pretty uh, interesting, too, that four days before this failure, uh, the chairman of the FDIC, Greenberg is his name, uh, was warning that there were $620 billion worth of unrealized losses in the U.S. banking system. So, that, so, so the question then becomes, okay, so what happens now? And this is what everybody wants to know. So let me give you some good news. The good news is if you are a depositor at a bank, which you probably are, we all are, we have to use banks thanks to the thanks to frank fractional banking system. But anyway, so you are insured up to $250,000 per individual account, and if it is a joint account, a lot of people don't know this, it's actually insured to $500,000. Um, the problem w- with much of these uninsured 
losses that were reported over the weekend is these are people with business accounts. This is, you know, uh, Roku and a lot of these big Silicon Valley outfits have their money in there. And and I I want to point out one other thing. As well as the Fed policy, which you cannot disengage from the Biden policies, did you know that SVB gave massive amounts of capital loans to Chinese tech companies? Um, and now, just today, there's news breaking about the, the Bidens and their connection to China. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're seeing corruption at levels we haven't seen since the robber barons. Yes, are you? And I assume you're talking about the James Comer documents. They've now got absolute concrete proof of the transfer that's, of money. That, that's it. Yes, yep, that's from the exactly. Chinese Communist Party directly to the Biden family, Hunter and yep. Joe. Yep. Um, hang on the- for just a sec, Tony. Let me bring sure. you back in the next uh, segment. Sure. Because uh, I got because I got a question for you. We'll be we'll wrap this up so we can come back quickly. We'll be right back. Tony Dale with Common Sense Retirement Planning is back. Tony there? I am here. Okay. Talk me down off the ledge. Because this is what it sounds like <laughs> to me, okay? Make me feel better. This is what it sounds like to me. And I'm hoping it's not what it sounds like to investors all over the world, including governments that invest in our treasury bonds and, you know, big financial institutions. People on the TV here in America and on the financial stations are going, well, yeah, you know, maybe we should, you know, should we bet, should we bail them out? Should we not? I mean, they made some risky investments and, and they should pay for that. Well, okay, but those risky investments you're talking about, half of them were in U.S. Treasury bonds. That's supposed to be the safest investment of all time. So what our financial pundits are saying to the world, I don't know if they realize it. Yeah, they, they had a bad investment mix. They shouldn't have done that. You mean you shouldn't be able to put money in Treasury bonds? Are people going to start dumping them? Well, understand first of all, what does the Bible say? Well, what, let's let's go all the way back. What are treasury bonds? They're debt, right? Mm-hmm. What have we been What have we been busy doing? We've been creating the greatest monumental debt in the history of this country and the world. And I want to point out, it isn't just us. This is a worldwide banking danger, and everybody in the in banking industry understands this. Um, so. The Bible says, borrower slave to the lender. This is a good time to to be very careful, for example, about what they call – I've mentioned it earlier uh, – not getting trapped in the yield curve and understanding that, that if you are going to invest in treasuries, do it, do it through a, a mutual fund that's investing in short-term debt. Don't. This is what caught. They got caught in. They they invested because the the interest rate environment, the way the Fed is playing it, is just so unstable. And that's it. Basically, think about it. It's, instability is at the root of it. So so what what what's a mother to do? Right? Uh, you're a mother. You'd know this. Uh, <laughs> you you start thinking about okay, where can I find some safe things to do? So I want to re, I do want to reiterate this. We all have bank accounts. You can feel safe at least that the Fed will insure your accounts up to $250,000 and five hundred dollars if it's a joint account. But there are massive amounts of cash that are not 
insured over that amount, billions of it. And and so know that that at least on a personal level, that's that's not shouldn't be a major concern. Now, what let let's go over what the Fed came out and said yesterday and what they supposedly they're not going to use taxpayer dollars. I gotta love this. What what do you think inflation is? It's a tax on taxpayers through inflation and interest rates. But no taxpayer money is going to to bail out the banks, according to them. No, what they're doing is they've created a new group called the Banking Term Funding Program, which basically is they're going to loan money to banks through the assessment of uh, costs to all banks. So supposedly they're bailing each other out. But all of this is going to have to be done with printed money, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) It makes me nervous. Whenever you say printed money in banks, I'm like, Yeah, and, 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 and sadly, again, we we have all of this. Track it back down. It, the, the Feds have, have been raising interest rates to fight inflation that they caused on behalf of the Democratic Party and their Inflation Creation Act. Oh, I'm sorry, Inflation. What was it? Uh, Resuscitation Act, I think is that. Thank you. I like that better. Uh, it, all of this is goes back and sits right on the desk of the White House and the Democrats. It sure does. Real quick, Tony, where can they find, where can people find you for investment advice? Oh, you can go to our website, csrp.info. And so let me leave you with this thought. There are what we call non-correlated assets you can put money in. Gold is, is shooting through the roof today. We, we uh, have ways that you can uh, invest in metals. Real estate um, is a, a, something to consider. And as I mentioned, uh, some short-term bond funds, and of course, principal guarantees on some of your retirement money is something we we believe in too. Okay, so Tony Dale, thank you so much for joining us this morning on uh, on 106.3 WRD CSRP info. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt, Hi-ya! and even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future, in vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. 
Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.